Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our podcast studio, Patricia Morapastides. Patricia is the First Lady of the University of South Carolina and is a successful public health professional, the author of three books, an accomplished cook, and an advocate for many worthy causes. In addition to her role as First Lady, which includes hosting events for the university throughout the year, and I've been to a few of those fabulous events mm-hmm. in the past, health is her top priority. Her most recent work, At Home in the Heart of the Horseshoe, is a fascinating look at the University of South Carolina's President's House, a historic landmark in the center of the university's original campus. Her previous books are Greek Revival, Cooking for Life, which was published in 2010, and Greek Revival from the Garden, Growing and Cooking for Life, and that was published in 2013. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Curtis. I'm happy to be here. It's great to have you here. So uh, before we get started, tell folks a little bit about your educational background and maybe what got you interested in writing. Mm-hmm. I was a sociology major in college. I went to the College of the Holy Cross in Worcester, Massachusetts. From there, I went on to um, get a master's in public health in health services administration at Yale. That's actually where I met Harris also on my first day of school. So that was an added bonus. And we have um, that Connecticut connection. We have that. I was born in Connecticut. Right, right. In which town? In Glastonbury. Glastonbury. And mm-hmm. I'm Middletown, so we're right yeah. across the river neighbors, from each other. Really exactly. neighbors. <laughs> but I think you're much younger, so I probably would have missed you just at all little, the school just dances. Just a little tiny bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know... My career has really been in public health. Mm -hmm. So when I came into the role as First Lady, um, I discovered that if I was able to accomplish all of the expectations of the First Lady with regard to entertaining Mm -hmm. and kind of being the chief hostess Mm -hmm. for the university and, and using the President's House as a vehicle to create a community Mm -hmm. at the university, Mm -hmm. then I could pretty much do anything else I wanted to in Mm -hmm. my spare time. Mm -hmm. And so I decided pretty early on that it would be in health and wellness, that Mm -hmm. I would put my energy Mm -hmm. into trying to make the campus healthier, more well, more physically fit, more emotionally stable, just a better, healthier population. Mm -hmm. So my education really led me to that. And then I decided, having lived in Greece for a year, Mm -hmm. that it would be really nice to be able to share the traditional Greek diet with Americans because we know it it promotes health, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, whereas the standard American diet, unfortunately, is associated with all of the chronic diseases that basically are killing us at a young age or Mm -hmm. or making us, you know, not 100 percent active. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And that that is one of the themes in um, in your first two books. Of course, there's the word Greek in both of them. So that's a really a big part of of your first two books. It is because the Mediterranean diet is one that has been studied since the 1950s. Wow. And really, they have not, they've only found good things about it. So it's promoted longevity and 
um, lowered risk factors for heart disease, for stroke, for several cancers, mm -hmm. colon, prostate, and breast cancer, um, for arthritis, but even for dementia, for Alzheimer's disease, wow. for depression, for anxiety, all of the risk factors for those illnesses that are plaguing us really as Americans mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are, are much lower mm -hmm. among people who follow a traditional Mediterranean diet and lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was why I stuck with that. And people ask me all kinds of things like, well, what do you think about coconut oil? And, mm -hmm. you know, what about, you know, high protein diets? And what about low carbs? And I said, you know, I don't really know about those. But I can tell you that since the 1950s, the traditional American, uh, sorry, traditional Mediterranean diet mm -hmm. has really been shown to be one of the best on the planet. Mm -hmm. So the other thing is, I really enjoy the foods myself. I think the variety is great. Well, yeah, as you're talking, I'm thinking of all the wonderful Greek food I've had in the past. And having been to Greece and having a real mm. Greek salad, right. you know, it's right. really, really different. And, and it's wonderful. And they, they eat so many more plant-based foods mm -hmm. then you know nothing is eliminated which is a beautiful thing you mm -hmm. don't have to be vegetarian or vegan mm -hmm. but it's much more pl plant-based oriented mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the animal products are more like a condiment or a smaller amount mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. than what we're we're used to eating in America so I think that's part of the reason why it's so healthy and there's basically nothing processed which yeah, also, yeah, that's I a think, big, big factor. Right, that's a big factor. Yeah, um, and and what is it about? Isn't there something about red wine that you know <laughs> is a factor in the Mediterranean diet? That's right. That's right. Well, we know studies have shown that a little bit of alcohol each day is actually very healthful. Mm -hmm. It's not if you're alcoholic, because no amount right, is exactly. good for you if you're alcoholic mm -hmm. or if you are taking medications that mm -hmm. would say, you know, don't mix this with alcohol. This this kind of advice is not for you. Mm -hmm. But for, for healthy people, um, a little bit of alcohol keeps the body very healthy. And they've shown in some studies, like with elderly women, mm -hmm. that those who take a little nip in the afternoon actually have better cognitive function really? than those who don't drink at all. Wow. So that's kind of interesting to note. And in the red red wine, we believe the critical ingredient is the resveratrol mm. that comes from the grape skin. Mm -hmm. And um, it's we, we have some researchers in the medical school who are studying the effects of resveratrol on mice. Oh, wow. And they're finding that they're living four times their life expectancies. That's amazing. With, it is. It is. But that. But for us to live that long, we would <laughs> have to way over drink. So, so a little bit is good, but mm -hmm. a lot is bad. And, well, and so we have to be careful with that message because I feel, as an American, that we need no encouragement to drink. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and also you'll notice in the Mediterranean that people don't just drink cocktail after cocktail uh -huh. or beer after beer. They have this l small amounts of red wine together with their meal. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. there may be something too about the, you know, that imbalance with food right. um, is probably a lot better for you than just, you know, drinking by mm -hmm. itself. Right, right. And, mm -hmm. and you know, that old adage, just about anything in moderation is going to be okay. That's you right. Know. <laughs> That's right. And, be, and I think what we, what people say about alcohol is that, um, you know, a little bit makes you feel good, and so you think more is going to make you feel better, mm -hmm. but it actually works out the opposite way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. More makes you feel a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, that's my problem with bread. 
Uh-huh, I love uh-huh. bread, but you know, too much. <laughs> I know, but that's why I couldn't. That's why I love the Mediterranean diet because we can have a little bread, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you dip it in olive oil, that's a good way to get your omegas. Yeah, you know? that's true. You're getting the healthy mm-hmm. fats, right? Yeah. Right. So before we talk about um, your latest book, "At Home in the Heart of the Horseshoe," um, what what are what are a few of your favorite recipes in? in these um, other in your Greek books. The one that's right on the cover of Greek Revival Cooking for Life mm-hmm. is a seared rep, red pepper flake shrimp. Oh wow. And I think because we have the best shrimp in the world mm-hmm. in South Carolina <laughs> that this should be in everybody's recipes for mm-hmm. shrimp. So mm-hmm. we get a little tired tired sometimes of just boiling it or having mm-hmm. shrimp cocktail and mm-hmm. I don't do anything deep fried. I just don't because I think it's too many calories and mm-hmm. not healthy. Mm-hmm. And plus, it hits my stomach like lead. And it does. It is that way for some people. Yeah, yeah. it can yeah. Re- be really, really. And it's also can be hard on your gallbladder. Yes, that's true. Because it's your gallbladder is producing more and more to try to counteract. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, so this one is sautéed, and um, the shrimp are actually seared in a pan of a little bit of olive oil, mm-hmm. and then they're pulled out, mm-hmm. and then garlic goes into the olive oil, white wine, and mm-hmm. lemon juice, and um, some fresh basil, mm-hmm. and then you put the shrimp back in to finish cooking them. So you just sear them at first mm-hmm. very quickly, just until they start looking opaque, and mm-hmm. pull them out of the pan, and then you put them back in, but only for a couple of minutes with the white wine and the lemon juice until that all reduces. Mm-hmm. And then I put lemon zest on top when I serve mm. it, and it's really delicious. I hope no one's listening to this right before a meal because they're <laughs> going to be really, really hungry. <laughs> okay, and so from um, Greek Revival from the Garden, Growing and Cooking for Life, does this have a, a different take to it? Is this more about uh, you know growing your food? Yes, it, it does have a different take. I decided that my second book, was my mission with it mm-hmm. was going to be to try to get young people to eat more vegetables mm-hmm. because it's very interesting the people I meet in South Carolina who are my age and older mm-hmm. are used to eating a lot of vegetables because typically their families grew them that's right but the younger generation has been raised on fast food meals unfortunately mm-hmm. and so the, that's pretty much devoid of vegetables so mm-hmm. they have a taste for french fries mm-hmm. but that's about it yep. so I thought well how do you get young people interested in trying more vegetables and my answer to that question was well you teach them how to grow them Mm -hmm. because once they get their hands in the dirt it's very exciting Mm -hmm. to see what's coming up and you can't not try something that you've grown Mm -hmm. from a seed Mm -hmm. so this book is about growing your own vegetables organically Mm -hmm. whether you only have um, containers we Mm -hmm. have ideas for container gardens or raised beds or yard gardens Mm -hmm. and then taking those vegetables to the kitchen and cooking them in a Mediterranean style. Mm-hmm. And I remember you did something uh, in the backyard at the president's house. Yes. Didn't you start the raised beds for the well, gardening? Well, we started the organic vegetable garden mm-hmm. that we use for our events and for the farmer's market okay. behind the president's house. Mm-hmm. And then a club called Outdoor Recreation got a grant initially to build the 20 raised beds okay. so that students, faculty, and staff could you know cultivate their own vegetables mm-hmm. and it's right adjacent to our garden so we share our compost with them and oh, we, okay. we share our water and, mm-hmm. and sometimes seedlings mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. um and and now we're raising um i think 
three or four of those raised beds are used to raise vegetables for our food pantry. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of exciting too. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And and there's also I I know I don't know how many years it's been there, but there's a beautiful big greenhouse. Uh, way behind the uh, president's house. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That was kind of my doing mm-hmm. because we had an old greenhouse down on Sumter Street, mm-hmm. right on um, near where the journalism school is now. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to tear it down because they wanted to build that beautiful little television studio right, there. Yes. And um, I, of course, nobody was averse to them tearing it down because it was really dilapidated. Yeah. The only problem was my garden team were the people who used that greenhouse. Greenhouse, right. so they would start a lot of our seeds for vegetables and botanical plants mm, mm-hmm. in there, and then bring them, you know, make dish gardens for the president's house. Mm-hmm. Or they would also like grow all the big potted palms and ferns. Mm-hmm. So when a lecturer came, you know, they would be the ones that would decorate yep. the stage and all around the podium and everything. Mm-hmm. So we were a little distressed that we were going to be losing that greenhouse. Mm-hmm. And there are some other options on campus, but they involve getting in a truck and driving. And right. the gardeners are really in and out of the greenhouse all the time. Oh, yeah. So I made, I had in my personal life, I had always admired these kits that you can get that look Victorian. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like a solarium. Oh, yeah. And I thought, well, maybe we can look into one of those. So we started doing some research, and I made a presentation to the Board of Trustees mm-hmm. to ask for their approval to put one behind the president's house, mm-hmm. um, kind of between us and Preston. Mm-hmm. And so they approved it, and we were able to to erect that beautiful um, sort of Victorian Charleston green mm-hmm. greenhouse. And we cut a hole, like a walkway, mm-hmm. through the brick wall mm-hmm. at the back of the president's house yard or garden mm-hmm. so that you can go from the yard right into the greenhouse. So it's very convenient for our gardeners. And it's also a wonderful place for me to bring our visitors. So oh, sure. when we have ch- you know groups of children, mm-hmm. I bring them in there because there's an old banana tree that actually produces bananas wow. in there. We have a papaya tree that we grew from a seed and lots of other things, you know, carnivorous plants and oh, things wow. like that they enjoy mm-hmm. seeing. Oh, neat. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's wonderful. Cool. I love having the greenhouse. Well, it's um, that, that kind of leads us into uh, at home in the heart of the horseshoe. How did how did this all come about? What mm-hmm. what made you want to switch from, you know, your wonderful uh, recipe books uh, and, um, you know, health and food education to concentrating on the president's house? Mm -hmm. Well, um, back in about 2009, Harris and I made a trip to the University of Virginia Mm. to meet President Castine uh, for a day. And he had been president of the University of Virginia for 20 years, Mm. 21 years, something of that nature by the time we met him. And we thought we could learn a lot from he and his wife, Betsy. So we visited with them, and they ha- we had a lovely lunch together. And at the end of the afternoon, she gave me this beautiful coffee table book on Cars Hill, which oh. is the name of their president's house. Wow. And, you know, we had, at the time, a little paper brochure that we gave to our visitors that had <laughs> just a few facts about uh-huh. the president's house. Mm-hmm. And I immediately was so jealous. So I <laughs> said, okay, 
the University of South Carolina is actually older than the University of Virginia. Mm-hmm. We have a beautiful historic president's home. Mm-hmm. And so I just had this in my mind that I wanted to do this book at some point in time. Mm-hmm. And I had to get the food books out of my system because right. that's really my passion. <laughs> sure. And I felt, you know, it's kind of interesting because I used to manage the Richland County Health Department when we first moved to South mm-hmm. Carolina. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't think I had as much of an audience for health and wellness there mm-hmm. as yep. I have at the university. So sure. I, that's been a real delight to me mm-hmm. to find that people are so open to embracing these concepts. So I'm glad that I did those first and had plenty of time. And I'm still, in fact, doing cooking classes mm-hmm. for students and hope to, you know, continue into the future even. Mm-hmm after Harris is no longer president. Mm-hmm. But so I, that that was very important to me. That was the top of my list. But I'm very happy that I got an opportunity to do this book because it turned out to be such a fun project. Well, it looks like it. When you, when you look through it, and it's a beautiful, beautiful, um, I don't want to say coffee table book, but it is kind of I a coffee table book. I do call it a coffee book. table book. <laughs> I mean, it has amazing photography in it. And, you know, all of the detail and the nuances of the furniture Mm -hmm. and the different rooms Mm -hmm. and what Mm -hmm. the different areas have been used for. But what I really, really love are a lot of the historical pictures Mm -hmm. because you go back through and look at the various USC presidents and their families and Mm -hmm. how they used used the the president's house and, and the history of the actual house itself. And what kind of research did you have to do? Were you at the Caroliniana Library an awful lot? I was there a bit. I was there a good bit. Let me first say that I think the University of South Carolina Press has done a beautiful job on all three of these books. Mm-hmm. This one, because it is a, a larger size, I think qualifies as a coffee table book. Mm-hmm. And because it is a larger size, we can have whole room photographs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I realized that even though we do a lot of entertaining, mm-hmm. I kind of assumed that everybody in Columbia has been through the president's house, and I found out <laughs> a lot of people haven't. Right. So I thought it was really important to have a whole pictorial tour mm-hmm. of the house and gardens. Mm-hmm. So we set to work on that. And, and Keith McGraw did a lot of the photography for this book. And and, it, and the photography is beautiful, by it, the way. It really is beautiful. And then there was some information on the provenance of some of the antiques mm-hmm. and the more interesting pieces in the house. The house um, is furnished kind of with a combination of antiques and replicas. Mm-hmm. And so we had a couple of people in who were experts in furniture who helped us discern um, some, some further information about the furniture. All of that is included in the book. The page that you're on right now, which is the John F. Kennedy bedroom page, mm-hmm. shows the oldest, most original antique in the house, which is this Queen Anne high boy. Wow, and that says circa 1780. Right. And and this is the one that Peter Kinney, who used to be the curator of the, I think, American Furniture Collection at the Met, mm-hmm. said this is the most original antique that we have he believes the only thing that might have been replaced on it is this little finial Mm -hmm. up the top Mm -hmm. but everything else looks original which is 
really beautiful. It's in beautiful condition. And it's surprising, you know, when you have old furniture, you realize how a lot of times the drawers don't slide very easily. Right. Uh-huh. And this one, as old as it is, it just works perfectly. Wow. It's just a, an amazing, amazing thing, really. Throughout all of your research in, into the history of the President's House, what was one thing that maybe you thought was the most surprising that you discovered? Well, let's see. The most surprising. Oh, one of the most surprising things was that there are these two beautiful sideboards in the reception room, and mm-hmm. the reception room is the one that has that gorgeous wallpaper right. that dates back to as early as 1811, mm-hmm. sometime between 1811 and 1820. So that wallpaper everybody's heard about, mm-hmm. you can certainly read about it in the book and all, but there are two sideboards in that room that I always said were hand-carved in Ireland, which I was very proud of being uh, I- of uh-huh. Irish descent. Uh-huh. And when um, Peter Kinney came, he said, you know, Patricia, Always be suspicious when you find pieces that are this old that are matching because it's very rare that they would make two or three or four pieces Uh all alike, that they would do one piece and then move on to a slightly different design, maybe use, you know, different floral treatment or something. Mm -hmm. So what he pointed out is that one is original Mm. and the other is a replica that was made to match it much later. So that was very interesting to learn. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very neat. One thing that was a real gift to me is that the president's house that we live in is actually the second president's house on the campus. Mm -hmm. The first one stood where the McKissick Museum is today. Right. And in fact, I remember seeing a photo of the demolition of of the house. Right. Because the McKissick was built during WPA. Mm -hmm. So that's when, um, and and the house had fallen into disrepair. It was Mm -hmm. used for a number of things. Was that in the 50s? It was in the 1930s. Oh, in the Mm -hmm. 30s. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And that was one thing I learned. I I had no idea that the president's house used to be in a different location. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I've actually attended sessions about the horseshoe but that, okay. that never for some reason Didn't stuck come with up me yeah. Or, yeah 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 but what was what's great what was a gift really mm-hmm. i should say to me mm-hmm. is that our house was built in 1854 mm-hmm. so it's quite historic but it was built as a duplex for faculty families mm. so for 90 years faculty families inhabited the house wow. and then for five years after that it became a women's sorority oh. and then after that which was in the 1940s mm-hmm. it kind of fell into disrepair mm-hmm. and it really was wasn't used mm-hmm. anymore mm-hmm. and so i think at between the original, when the original president's house was demolished and when ours became the president's house mm-hmm. in 1952, the presidents lived in their own homes. Okay. So because our house didn't become the president's house officially mm-hmm. until 1952 when the Russells came, mm-hmm. there have only been eight families, including Harris and I, really? who have lived there okay. as the official presidents in residence there. Yeah. So when I learned that, mm-hmm. I decided this was a real opportunity that I could find somebody. I know the, some of the Russells live in Columbia, and mm-hmm. I knew that I could find somebody from all, if if not all, almost all of the 
families mm -hmm. to interview mm -hmm. and ask them two things. You know, what do you remember going on on campus mm -hmm. when you were living there? And mm -hmm. what was your life like yeah. in the president's house? Oh, that's neat. And, and the stories, to me, became the mm -hmm. most vibrant and wonderful part of the book because, mm -hmm. you know, the history is interesting. Mm -hmm. um, the the pictures are beautiful. Mm -hmm. But having the, the stories from mm -hmm. the other families really brought the book to life, I think. And did you find this to be a different kind of challenge versus your two first books? Or? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> because there's nothing to kill your love of cooking like writing a cookbook. If you're a person who likes to go into the kitchen and pull out some main ingredients and uh -huh. then just start shaking, right. you know, spices in there or cutting up herbs, and uh -huh. try, you can't do that when you're writing a recipe because you have to carefully measure everything oh, yeah, yeah. and make sure that it tastes right. Mm -hmm. And so you'll try it once mm -hmm. and you'll say something's not right about this. Does it mm -hmm. have too much of this? Yeah. Not enough of that. And then you go back to the drawing board. redo. You probably redo that recipe four or five times. Mm -hmm. And then you really should have other people test the recipe too sure. to be sure that it works for them. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so that that was a very tedious Yes. type of labor intensive it was it was yeah. at this but at the same time that i was doing greek revival i was teaching healthy mediterranean cooking for the cancer prevention and control program oh, okay. on campus so the early p students of the cancer prevention and control program cooking classes mm -hmm. were the ones who tested my recipes wow. so that was a real gift yeah. that i had them and, and we kind of worked things out together which yeah. was fun that's great. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. really neat. One of the things that I like to ask um, uh, people who come in for the podcast, since this is Library Voices SC, and we're right. all about libraries here at the State Library, right. do you have any kind of um, uh, thoughts about libraries, or do you have a uh, really good personal experience with libraries that you want to share? I have so many. I just love libraries. I remember the Russell Library in Middletown, Connecticut. Uh -huh. I remember going to the children's reading room. Okay. And looking, being so young that I went directly to the picture books. Mm -hmm. And the picture books were kept in an antique wooden cradle. Oh, wow. So they were, you would just kind of like yep. leaf through and pick some out. And, mm -hmm. and we always, because I had three brothers, we mm -hmm. always took way too many books. My mm -hmm. mother was trying to limit us to take three each or something like that. You know, otherwise she couldn't keep track of getting them all back on time. But yep. I remember that so much. I remember school library. Mm-hmm and just waiting for that library day. Mm -hmm. um, I've had a couple of really interesting library stories here at the university. <laughs> <laughs> One is that the first year that Harris was president, I remembered being so impressed when I heard Tom McNally, the dean of libraries, say that our libraries would now be open 24-7. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, isn't that great? Yeah. And so I was working on something. I'm probably I was working on one of these books. And um, I went to the library, and I had a room down in the stacks mm -hmm. that was didn't have any windows or anything. But right. it was a good place to work. It's very hard to work in the president's house because there's a lot of activity yes. there all the time. Uh -huh. You know, in this academic year alone, we will have hosted 187 events. Jeez. So if you think of an academic year as 10 months, that's, approximately 300 days, then approximately 200 of the day, those days we're doing something at that house. That's two-thirds of your time. It is. Wow. So it so that means there's always people coming moving furniture mm -hmm. and people setting up, you know, flower arrangements yep. and the chefs and everybody. So, And also people looking to someone to ask, 
oh, and what do you think about this? I or know. how do you think this should be? <laughs> and the phone's always ringing and the doorbell's always ringing. Mm-hmm. So Tom McNally was kind enough to give me an office. So I went there to work mm-hmm. down in the stacks. On, and I remember it was move-in day mm. because I helped move in the freshmen. And then in the afternoon, I went to work because I had some things I really wanted to get done. Mm-hmm. It was probably a proposal for a book now that I think of it, not actually the book itself. And it got to be about six o'clock and I thought, you know, we were invited somewhere for dinner. I guess I better go now because I was in, immersed in what mm-hmm. I was doing. But so I guess I better go now so I can get ready and think about a hostess gift for the hostess and this mm-hmm. and that. And I came up in the elevator and stepped into an empty, dark library. <laughs> Everybody was gone. I didn't know it had closed at five o'clock. Oh, wow. I don't know if they made an announcement, but I certainly uh-huh. didn't hear it down in my room in the stacks. <laughs> and so I actually ended up having to call the campus police to get you to out get of the library. <laughs> <laughs> and then it took them a little bit because they said, we'll come over, but you know, there's a lot of extra traffic with all these parents dropping their students oh, off. Oh, <laughs> that's crazy. But it was crazy. And then the, the well, that's second a really one, good place to get locked in, though. It is. It is. <laughs> and then um, the second story is that Tom McNally then moved me from that room to another room. Mm-hmm. And it was very sweet. The, the facility staff came to that room and they decorated it for me because oh, they wow. wanted me to have a little life in the room even though it didn't have any windows uh-huh. so they hung up posters and they brought some artificial plants uh-huh. and they gave me a telephone <laughs> in case I got locked in <laughs> things like that so I would go to that room and work on my book and mm-hmm. um, then you know you after you submit your original draft you know you wait mm-hmm. for you know edits or whatever and mm-hmm. you get galleys back and then mm-hmm. you have to right. review these galleys right so i hadn't been there in a couple of months mm-hmm. and i got the galleys and i said okay i'm gonna go to my room in the library i have my own little key and mm-hmm. i walked in put the key in the door opened the door and literally there's no room anymore <sighs> the whole room was blown off <laughs> that side of the hall the door was still there just like everything was intact but once i opened the door the room was gone because they were creating the um career center Uh on that level of the library so they took out all those offices along that one side wow so that was hilarious like i came up to tom's office saying like my room's gone tom (laughs) so but i do but really um i and i can't wait for the south carolina library to come back online because There is nowhere more beautiful it really than is a that gorgeous, library. Gorgeous facility. Oh, and I, I think that's going to be really interesting too mm-hmm. to have that type of fire suppression system that mm-hmm. actually sucks the oxygen mm-hmm. out of the room should a fire start, so that none of our history of our state, which is a lot of letters and papers, oh, yeah. that would just be destroyed with water. All the original you know, manuscripts could, mm-hmm, and everything. Right, yeah, right. yeah, amazing. And I also noticed in. Uh, in, in your book, uh, you had a connection with uh, Cocky's Reading Express, and, and yes. there was a picture of you reading to a bunch of a bunch of children. Yes, you know, we decided that every year at the holiday time, we would invite a school group in mm-hmm. because the house is decorated so oh, beautifully, yeah, lovely. Mm-hmm. and you know, the kids are just in awe mm-hmm. of all the decorations and everything. So I said, well, let's bring some students, and we brought some from public schools, private uh, Catholic schools, mm-hmm. um, and even our little daycare center here mm-hmm. at the university mm-hmm. came 
one year. My favorite, I think, was a group I had from St. Martin de Pores. Mm. And uh, the kids all wear uniforms mm-hmm. and little leather shoes. And it's just like so adorable. <laughs> and they're so well behaved, you uh-huh, know. Uh-huh. And one little girl on the way out said, well, you know, this is the kind of house I'd like to live in. <laughs> of course, it's, you know, gorgeous. And the teacher said, well, you'll you're going to have to marry the university president. And I said, well, you know what? Or if you keep reading, you, can you be will the be president. the Ex- university president exactly. someday. So that was really fun. <laughs> That's a wonderful story. And then I took another group out after after their time with Cocky's Reading Express. I took another group out to the greenhouse because mm-hmm. I thought it was so cool to be able to give them each a banana. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Cocky's Reading Express already gives them books. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they each had their little bag of books. And I said, now I have a special treat for you come out to the greenhouse and this one little kindergarten boy said to me is this all we get bananas (laughs) and books and I said well what would you like and Uh he said well Gamecock stuff Uh so I said okay so I had to send some pencils over to the classroom (laughs) after that I guess you would assume you would get some Gamecock stuff if you were coming to the president's house that's right and you know he turned me on to that idea Uh so every year since then I've made sure I have some Gamecock pennants and pencils (laughs) that's perfect okay so as as we're wrapping up what are your plans for the near future do you have any other writing projects in mind or or what have you got coming up well um you know this is our last semester sadly yes in the presidency so what i've been writing lately has just been little remarks Mm -hmm. for different events that Mm -hmm. will be happening and it's tough Mm -hmm. sure because you've been here how long uh 11 years in the presidency and 21 in total isn't that crazy? Time just life flies by, doesn't it? Does, it does. It does. I know. It really flies by. So, um, and with a busy schedule like I have, I've always said I don't get to really uh, feel a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm happy. Sure. I feel happy, but I don't feel sensitive mm-hmm. about what I've been through Mm -hmm. because I'm always moving on to the next event. Right. But as I'm sitting down to write these remarks, Mm -hmm. I'm getting a real flood of emotion. Sure, because there's a finality. Yes. And I'm thinking about really how wonderful it has been. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody says an honor and a privilege, but I mean, I can't even believe it, you Mm -hmm. know, that that I've been given this position. Mm -hmm. It's really... It's been wonderful for me as an individual. Mm-hmm. I think it's been wonderful for Harris and I as a couple. Sure. Um, we've changed in so many ways. Mm-hmm. I think we're even closer mm-hmm. than when we started, mm-hmm. which is a really wonderful thing after 40 years you yeah. know, to feel yeah. being together. So I've been starting to feel a lot more, mm-hmm. which puts me in the mood for poetry oh, yeah. and maybe fiction. Oh, great. So one of the things that we're going to do next year is take a two-month sabbatical mm-hmm. in the early spring to mm-hmm. Ireland. Oh, wow. And I just found a house to rent. Oh, great. And I'm planning on writing fiction and poetry. Oh, that's amazing. So we'll see what happens with that. What a- I don't think I can count on the University of South Carolina <laughs> Press to publish it, but you know, part of but me, you have a lot of contacts. I do, but but listen, I don't even care about that because mm-hmm. I'm not publishing it to make money. You mm-hmm. know, I really 
I really want to write these things to sort of leave something for my family. Sure. I feel like this book on the president's house is a really nice gift mm -hmm. to the university. It really is. You know, and I, I want to leave something for my family. Mm -hmm. I, I tend to write them poems for their birthdays mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. weddings and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to kind of continue with that along those themes, kind of like, you know, my memories of them sure. growing up and mm -hmm. and especially you know having things to leave for my grandchildren sure. and, you know you're in that last probably third of your life mm -hmm. and so you know you really start thinking about well what will i leave behind yeah. and i yeah. think the written word is pretty special it really is and you've you've already left a lot and you've been uh you and, and harris have been a very important um, component to not only the university but the state. So oh, thank you. Uh, we appreciate thank you, all you've done. And thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure, really. And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is librarievoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so please send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. And until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.